This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, to the Winter is Coming Entertainment Podcast. I'm your host, Razor, and I'm here with Dan Selke and Corey Thone, and we're hoping that Corey Smith will join us later. All right, so let's get right into it. Um, HBO has announced and confirmed that we're getting a Game of Thrones prequel that is not Blood Moon, and Dan, let's talk about it really quick. It is House of the Dragon. Uh, how excited are you for this? I am at a 7.5, David. I'm pretty good. Oh, that's I mean, pretty neat. God, last week was, it really, honest to God, was a crazy week for news because there was that crazy panel Benny Off and Weiss did a kickoff week, and I was like, this will be the big story for this week. And then there was, they left Star Wars, and then Blood Moon got canceled, and then House of the Dragon got announced, and then HBO Max revealed all its things. Like, God, it was absolutely, if you work, in what is the Game of Thrones news business, which does exist, apparently. Uh, <laughs> it, 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 was a, it was a pretty crazy week. Um, I thought it was very smart, by the way, that they canceled the one prequel, The Thousand Years Ago, Naomi Watts, Star Man, which something. Um, and then people were freaking out about it. And then, like, a couple hours later, they were very smart. They changed the narrative, and they're like, but not only are we ordering a prequel all about the Dance of the Dragons... We are ordering it straight to series. Like, there's no pilot. Yeah. Like, that, that, that's huge, I think. Like, we're, we're going to see this show. Like, this isn't a wait for a pilot, and it might be good or bad, and we approve it. It's, this is happening. Like, we're getting a season. And I honestly don't know if that's a good idea or a bad idea. And I'd be curious to hear your guys' thoughts. Like, are they doing what they should have done in the first place and getting the Game of Thrones thing out there. And it is a good story, The Dance of the Dragons. I mean, it, it's yeah. it's complete. That's nice. Um, we are not going to be waiting on source material for it. Uh, or are they going into it too fast? Are they like, are they rushing to stop the bleeding from the Blood Moon cancellation by ordering that... a full season of something brand new? That, to be fair, I do want to watch pretty badly, because I do think it's a really good story. Probably the best story in George R. R. Martin's, like, uh, prehistory, which is very extensive. So, yeah. what do you think, David and Corey I, Yeah, I was going to ask, okay, so, Thone, when, they, when this happened, 
I saw a lot of tweets from a lot of people that are kind of in the business, you know, people who write uh, for other sites and, and for different, um, you know, news sites and stuff. And they were freaking out going, yeah, this is HBO stopping the, you know, stopping the, the bleeding by by going full full series with uh, an untested show. What do you think about that, Foam? Like, I'm... I, I'm in. The, I'm kind of in the middle here. I'm very excited that we're getting a show about the House of the Dragon, and they picked a time period where there's a fuckload of dragons. This isn't just like three dragons like we had on Game of Thrones. Like there is a lot. We could call it a fuck ton of dragons. So, Hark, what do you think about this film? Yeah, I I was rather surprised whenever it was announced because they had cast some pretty substantial names in the other I show. Had. Yeah. I mean, Naomi Watts obviously is a star internationally. Um, yeah. She honestly might be bigger worldwide than she is in America, if that makes sense. Uh, I, but I agree. But she's I not. I mean, no. But it's just like she, she's not that she's not well known in America, but like she right. she's almost like an international. seems I don't know. I, I could be just full shit there. But right. anyway, like, I, go ahead. I was going to say that I am and all have been for a long time. An honest to God Naomi Watts super fan. I, oh. That might sound a little odd, but I love her. I saw her in Mulholland Drive 2001. I thought she was absolutely tremendous. I saw her in 21 Grams. I thought she was great in King Kong. I really do like her a lot. Eastern Promises um, is one of gosh, my favorites. She was so good in that. Very subtle performance in that. She's great. So I, I am sad we're not going to see her, but maybe we will because I mean, she could be a Targaryen. Anyway, go on. I I was surprised by that. When it comes to the Targaryen thing, I think that there is excitement, obviously, to be had because what's more fascinating than the Dragon Riders, right? But um, for casual fans, yeah, let's let's be honest. This is not uh, this is not the show that hardcore David and Dan. I'm talking about you guys, nerds, would have gotten the biggest boner for. <laughs> Uh, I'm not I saying not saying you don't have not saying you don't have a super chub for this sh- idea, but I'm saying that they could have done like I know that David would have shit his pants for like a Dunkin' Egg one off or something like 100 yeah. percent yes. So, but in terms of thing, like I'm not trying to start an argument about what Dan and Benioff, Benioff Weiss, whatever they call themselves, D and D said, but mm-hmm. this does feel like a move this to cater more toward NFL players and moms than hardcore fantasy nerds because dragons as much as they are a fantasy element are universally accepted as being badass so <laughs> like I, I don't know i i'm excited for it am i gonna watch it assuredly um the people that they have attached to it to create it make it worth investing time in i think sure so Poshnik, it's nice Exactly. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I'm excited. I'm a little worried because it's. It sounds like it's going to be CGI dependent to some degree. If it's going it to be have to be dragon fighting, yeah, and that's that's worrisome because Game of Thrones had the biggest budget in TV history, True. and 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 the two dragons. They they were like, oh, these dragons. Like, what if we just dimmed this episode and then said we didn't do it and <laughs> called everybody assholes about it? But uh, anyway, yeah, I, I, I mean, they they showed okay. they decide they had to make a decision. Okay, here's our CGI budget. We can't show Ghost, the wolf, because we got to show the dragons. So, you know, there's a you're match. right. There's a fucking I, I, I mean, you could say that they, they do have a lot of dragon know-how, probably more than any studio in history Hard at this agree. point to, uh, to make dragon stuff. And I mean, the, 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 the... I do disagree with you, Corey, a little bit about hardcore people not having a boner for this story. 
I mean, honest to God, when I heard they were doing prequels, I figured this has got to be the one they do. Because it's, I, and I know that you're not like, you're not a, a hardcore boner heavy super fan for the, for the series, but David, would you agree with me that like the Dance of the Dragons, it's just, it's just the most TV ready, like from yeah. the jump. It has a great large cast of characters. It has a lot of well-defined events. Like it, it, it has a lot of things that you could just write into a climax of episode nine. They yeah. would just fit in there perfectly. It has like a lot. It has like a good mix of characters. It's has it has two sides. That's <laughs> so crucial. We're not going to be waiting for the Winds of Winter to like be completed. Like this story is, for better or worse, like it has a beginning, middle, and end already. And it's 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 full of like drama, betrayal, sex, uh, violence, sex. like you know, good good just good TV stuff. Can it just I, seems so obvious. I, just, I to need me. I need someone to clip out David. I guess you can do it. Just Dan saying sex, and that's going to be my text tone. Like <laughs> there was so there was so much passion in that. Like I'm I, you're turning me into a believer. Like it's, I haven't it's heard a you. really passionate story. Yeah, I mean like. We 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 could like say what happens, but we'd be here for a while. Just I, I I will say I was I was genuinely surprised when they didn't go for it first. I was like, really, thousands of years before? Okay, like untested, like, and I I, I do really think that it, it it's the kind of story that will appeal to newcomers because it, it's so kind of easy to get into, and you know it it has a lot of like the betrayals and dynamics that made Game of Thrones a success. Yeah. But also, it's a story that hard people ha- like want to see a lot. I think. Yeah, and if you're a casual fan, you can just slide right into the show because let me tell you what they chose. Because you know, the House of the Dragon, they could have gone with Aegon the Conqueror, coming to Westeros. They could have gone with um, his son Magor the Cruel, fighting the the Faith sure. Militant. They could have gone with a whole bunch of different uh, timelines. But what they decided to do is they chose the Dance of the Dragons. Because it's the best story. Yeah, it's the best story. You've got two it's sides. It's the longest you got, story. You got the, the greens versus did. the blacks. You the green versus the blacks. Mm-hmm. You've got so 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 you're gonna have people standing for for like Aegon the Second, and then Rhaenyra Targaryen. Yeah, Rhaenyra Targaryen. Nettles is going to be a a folk hero. I'm calling it now. Oh, people are gonna fucking stand Nettles so Zendaya hard. Zendaya should play her. I do. I'm telling you right now, and we're we're just so gonna dreamcast this and put yeah. it out there. But you know, there's a lot of like you've got House Stark comes into like comes in to help House Targaryen, and what? Craig. Yeah, Craig and the 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 leader of House Tar- House Stark comes in. His name is Craig, and he he first sends a bunch of old men and uh, and bastards from the north. To ride in, and when they come in, they're they're riding like shaggy horses because the horses there are all have, you have to have shaggy horses to survive the winter. So they come up in rusted mail and and dented armor, and they lead that they're like the lead the of the art of the army attack. They always lead the attack, and their their leader <laughs> is a um, I forget house. It might be Bolton. I forget if if he was Bolton or not, but their leader. They're called the Winter Wolves, and he st- he like he survives like four or five battles, and it takes like half an army to kill him when he finally dies. And when he dies, he's basically singing. He's like he goes in like missing an arm, 
and he's still swinging a sword around. That's what, that you're gonna have barbarians from the north come in and fight for House Tar, House uh, Targaryen, which is amazing. And then at the very end of of the dance, Craig and Stark himself comes down from the north and becomes hand of the king for a day, and chops everybody's head off, and then gives the crown to the to the rightful ruler. I mean. And then he, <laughs> Well, and I mean, and like that's like the you know the big action stuff. There's also lots of interpersonal stuff too. There's lots of oh, there characters. Is. There's lots of romance, drama. It just has a lot. So, yeah, I, I was always confused why they didn't go for it first. And I guess that might be the reason why they decided to not even bother with the pilot and just go to state to series. I just hope they're not uh, jumping the gun. The potential is definitely there if they can do it right. Um, and we'll just see how ready and willing they are and how ready and willing the audience is to um, invest again in this world. And Sapo's the showrunner, isn't he? Yeah, he's co-showrunning with a dude named Ryan Comdall. Comdall, yeah. I don't know. I mean, when you like, when you got Sapo attached to this, everybody who knows like all the Battle of the Bastards, Hard Home, um, he did The Winds of Winter, right? Yeah. I mean, he so he's got he's got battle experience, and he's got subtle, subtle experience. Like he, you know, the Winds of Winter wasn't all battle; it was an explosion of the crypt. Basically, there was no battles in the Winds of Winter. Winds of Winter. So oh, yeah. he's got he's got all that experience, and he's coming from Game of Thrones to a, a Game of Thrones prequel, House of the Dragon. So that's exciting too. That is good. They'll have to hire, I think, a a writers' room uh, that. Probably what it, it, it's not going to be like two people just and they're the only writers on it. I'm guessing it's going to be a little more traditional, but I mean, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I'm I calling. I'm excited. calling it now. I'm calling it now. You're going to hear news when they announce the writers, the writers room, because I agree with you that Brian Cogman is going to help out, even though he's doing Lord of the Rings. I'm sure he's got time to come over because this this was his idea first, wasn't it? Yeah, this was Cochran's idea. Martin worked on it. And then they shelved it. Again, just the, the intrigue angle is interesting to me. Because this idea was shelved. Cogman left to go join Amazon. And then apparently they took it off the shelf. We're like, this is fine. And they ordered it straight to series. <laughs> so, so like, th- th- there have to be things that happened on like a business level that we don't know about. Because obviously somebody's mind was changed. Yeah, yeah. So that's our House of Dragon news. We're excited for it. Uh, be on the lookout for our dream casting uh, article that I myself am going to put out there. Um, and I would love to hear all of your, you guys that are listening, I'd love to hear your ideas on who would play who. Um, if, if if you got time, the Fire and Blood, this is based on uh, George R. R. Martin's book, Fire and Blood. It's not a big long book that takes you forever to read. It's an easy read, um, and it's uh, you know it's not a Martin typical Martin book, so it, you can get through it pretty quick. And you know that way you can familiarize yourself with this show. I wonder when they're planning on when this. I wonder if they're shooting for like a twenty twenty one. That would yeah. be the earliest. It can't possibly be twenty twenty. It's yeah, the show no would way. be too big. I agree. Yeah, the ensemble cast in this show is going to be amazing to watch. I cannot wait to to see the news that's rolling in. So and so is going to play this guy. So and so is going to play that guy. Yeah. I can't wait. It's going to be exciting. 
I wonder how bad that other pilot was, or just like why they canceled it exactly. Oh I don't know. God. We'll Please never tell know. Me. You think you I'm don't gonna... think HBO will ever like? There's not a, there's not like a inside source of somebody that's going to tell like Variety or the Hollywood Reporter. Like, I want to know exactly why they canceled this pilot. Because you're right, just 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 like the first Game of Thrones pilot, we probably will never ever see this pilot. They... HBO took that away. My business idea is they should put the failed Blood Moon pilot on a DVD with the failed Game of Thrones pilot and just sell it, and I would buy it, and so oh. would a lot of other people. Everybody, just take my money now. I would buy it. Take all the money. All right, so uh, let's move on to our main topic for the night, and it's Watchmen Episode 3. Yeah, we didn't record last week. Uh, I think we're doing this, this the podcast every other week now. Um, and I don't know, phone... The second episode really of, – of, I don't know. The second episode was just a good episode. It wasn't like um, – I don't know. I, I, I wasn't too much into it, but I watched it and I enjoyed it. But episode three really blew my hair back. Um, even though I shaved my head, it blew, it blew the stubble out. So, uh, Phone, uh, give me what your – and your thoughts on episode three. Uh, mine's the opposite. I thought episode three was boring. What? What? Episode, really? episode two was better. Yeah, three was probably my least favorite episode so far. That, why? Tell me why. Uh, we'll start off. I really this is gonna sound shitty. I really can't remember everything that happened in it. Uh, I know that there was a lot of Gene Smart telling a bad joke about other heroes to the void that is Mars. Oh. Um, I I don't know. I, I felt like it was a lot of setup, which is needed, obviously, in early you know, episodes of a show like this, but I thought episode two where we got to see more of, of uh, Lou Gossett Jr.'s character, we got more of Sister Knight and his interactions, found out the reveal about her lineage, uh, found out the clan thing hidden in Nash Bridges' closet. Uh, there was just... Nash Bridges! <laughs> there, there's, I just felt like episode two was more... I don't know. The, episode two also, I think, no, that was the, episode three. It's all running together in my brain. Episode three did have the the stuff with the suicide bomber at the funeral, which was a pretense mm-hmm. scene. Three, yeah, yeah. But overall, I I think that uh, and and I'm annoyed at episode three. And let me tell you why. HBO or whoever, uh, whoever was like, hey, you know what we should do is we should just pretend that Jeremy Irons isn't. Osmandius for three episodes, and then <laughs> and then have this moment that's like, look at this big reveal, and it's like, motherfucker, we've known that since the before the first episode. Like, who else would he be? But um, the the continual killing of clones is something I'm interested in seeing more about. <laughs> I don't know what the shit's going on there, but uh, it's funny to me. You know, they they talk about. Dr. Manhattan has lost his humanity or whatever else, but it's pretty clear that Osmandius has never had any. So there's, yeah, it's just a, there's a lot, there's a lot that happened in the two episodes put together. I just felt like at the end of three, I I wasn't blown away by anything. I I don't know where the car came from. Were they implying that Dr. Manhattan dropped that? I was wondering that. Like, I thought like, were they either Dr. Manhattan or like, was it Night Owl with his ship? And he was mad because she slept with the little FBI agent? I don't think so, but I'm trying to figure it out. She was laughing. 
well, I don't know. think she's with anybody like in romantic fashion. She had the big blue uh uh, dildo. dildo. Yeah, dildo. Yeah, sure. I was trying to think of a funny word for it, but dildo is pretty funny. funny I, I was going to so, say, yeah, dildo is a funny ass word. That is a funny <laughs> word. Uh, so, yeah, I, I don't think she's actually dating anyone. It seems like she's pretty jaded. I, I was, it was interesting. The bank scene I thought was a little hackneyed, but um, yeah, her her saying to the people like these aren't heroes they're they're a fucking joke or whatever it was it's like yeah we get it the heroes are better back when you were one like so i see where they're going with that what they're doing with her character and everything but you know i i don't know i just three didn't grab me as much as two did i thought it was cooler seeing the car get taken away than seeing the car come back well that's my question is lou gossett jr was in the car when it was taken and he wasn't when it was dropped so he got out and he's in a wheelchair but his will is so he's got to be taken by somebody, and we know well. We can assume because the senator said it. Senator Kane Skeen said it that Night Owl's in prison right now. I guess he he got he got arrested, and Jean Smart's you know she didn't she didn't get arrested. So Night Owl's in jail. She ke- she keeps a pet owl, and that's awesome. That's fucking awesome. And uh, so she's Hashtag got symbolism. <laughs> yeah. Al in a cage, yeah. Uh huh. And I, yep. I mean, honestly, it sounds, it looks to me like she flipped and became a snitch or something, and kind of a catch me if you can, DiCaprio kind of way, and yeah. is you know probably betrayed, want or the night owl to stay out of prison herself or something, and she hates herself for it. Maybe I don't know. So, well, uh, if if you guys follow along with the um the Spitzpedia. Oh, hello, Corey Smith. Nice Ooh, of you to join it's us. Corey Smith. What's up, guys? How are y'all? Okay. All right. <laughs> of course. Of course he sounds like that. Smith, fuck <laughs> off. What's wrong with it? Are you in a tunnel? Are you in a, Are you doing a wind tunnel test? What's going uh, on with you? Did you plug... I'm cutting out or do I just sound shitty? You sound <laughs> shitty. Did you plug a string with a can on it into your computer yeah. and expect that to work? Are you making a phone call with a rotary phone? It does no. sort of sound like you're six feet underwater. <laughs> this is what G- this is. Hey, listen, this is what Gene Smart's character sounds like to Doctor Who. Doctor Manhattan. Doctor Manhattan. I say Doctor who because I don't know God. where he is. Doctor Manhattan. Doctor Manhattan. This is what it sounds like talking to Mars. So, uh, yeah, Dan, go ahead. Yeah, I was like, could. Could we fix this, or... Well, <laughs> this is what we do. We'll, this is what... we'll keep going, okay. Um, I kind of had the opposite reaction to uh, Corey Thone. Like, the first two episodes, I thought were good. I was intrigued. I-, I-, I wanted to keep watching. This is the one where I was like, okay, I'm in. Yeah. I thought this was... It really kind of... I- I'm not sure what about Gene Smart's character, Agent Blake, we can start calling her, Maybe you said it like it kind of broadened the scope a bit. So now that I understand more of like the sides of this or opened it up a little bit, that now I see more of the world that I like, okay, now I want to know more. I thought she was tremendous. I didn't think it was so much that she thought that heroes of her day were better. I, I read it as more she's disillusioned with the whole idea of masked heroes, which if you read the comic, you know, is she would have plenty of reason to be. Um, right, right, right. Father being the comedian and him being a complete asshole, and Ozymandias, the hero, basically committing a 
multi-million genocide on people. Um, I thought she played it really well. I, I, I loved the sense of humor she brought to it. I loved her conversation with um, Looking Glass. She just kind of stares him down. And he... I like how she picked seeds out of her teeth in his mask. That was good. <laughs> that was pretty funny. And uh, and he just kind of uh, he folds to her. That was great. I liked her at the funeral. I liked her relationship with the younger FBI agent. I just thought it, it gave the show some more texture. Like now Angela has kind of a sort of an adversarial but still sympathetic figure kind of on the inside to battle. It brought in more ideas. Like, because the whole thing about the show, and the thing about Watchmen the comic originally was that, like, these are superheroes, but they're superheroes that are kind of more from a a, a ground's eye view of, they're just like people with severe emotional problems who can't function <laughs> without their costumes. Like, you know, Night Owl can't get it up unless he's in a costume. Um, it's uh, true. Sure. Ozymandias is, is a megalomaniac who, you know, feels secure and like he can kill most people in his costume. And, and, and we've seen that here. Like, there was that scene in the first episode, or was the second, I think it was the second, where Sister Knight, like, she was going to interrogate um, the dude, and I forget, but she, like, freaks out, puts on her costume first, even though oh, he's yeah. not seen her, because it's about getting into this role. And I loved that uh, Agent Blake came along and just kind of put a pin in all of that, like, this isn't cool. <laughs> You're not a badass for doing this. You're an emotionally disturbed <laughs> person, and this isn't right to be doing. I like the contrast. I thought that she was just really, really, really strong, like from just a performance angle when she was crying in the phone booth. I loved it. So she brought me in in a way that I hadn't been brought in before. I am now more looking forward to the series because of, because of her and because of the episode. I want to know if she's going to kick ass like, you know, because she changed, was she was the Silk Spectre, now uh, now she, and then she became the comedian. I mean, she shot the dude and with one shot, uh, yeah. the suicide bomber guy. Yeah, it's true, right in the head. So I'm looking she still forward. Got to it. See, I'm looking forward to seeing what's going to happen, like her, between I, and I love the back and forth between her and Angela Abar. Like I I was really excited for that, and it didn't disappoint. You know, especially when. Especially when Angela did the the wings, the wings on her coffee cup, like your 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 owls in a cage, and and that I thought that was pretty good. Like you know, that's the only thing that you notice. Like um, Agent Smith or Agent Blake, I'm sorry, Agent Blake. You're all over Agent the place, Smith. man. I am. I'm all over the place. Agent, Agent Smith, Agent I, Smith and Doctor Who are in this show. Yeah, well, I saw that Corey Smith joined again, and I was going to try to get him to give me a. Opinion. Did I join? There oh, you go. Yay. So great. Hey. Hey. All right. So I'm going to throw it to you, Smith. We since we haven't heard from you in a long time. On the yeah, podcast. sorry, having busy having babies and stuff. Ugh, babies. God, you you just a ton of them. All right. So listen, man. We want to know what your thought is on episode three. Did you watch it and get into it, or was it something that you were just like, eh, I can do without? No, I, I think uh, I'm probably closer to what Dan was saying. I think I, I liked that it kind of expanded things, and we kind of got a, a glimpse of kind of the world that the Watchmen were in. You know, um, with she, you know, she seems kind of like this jaded, you know, ex superhero. Now she works. Now she's busy locking them up, and she used to be one. So I like that kind of context. I I will say I don't know that. It might be a little too much too soon, though. 
um, because I feel like we're still trying to get a, a grip on exactly what what's going on in Oklahoma. Right. You know, but I, on its own, I like it. And but yeah, it just kind of. I think we might be expanding a little too fast. I don't know. Some people might saying we're expanding too slow, but um, I mean, yeah, I like the episode. I'm I'm hooked on the show. I think the show is going to be good. I just I hope. Too. I just hope it just doesn't doesn't go too lost to to Westworld, you know, mm-hmm. where they just have a hundred questions and they, you know, they they paint themselves into an impossible, you know, scenario because they. They make so many questions and then they can't answer them all. Um, so I hope that doesn't happen, but I, I like what's going on. Um, yeah. I mean, it's definitely an interesting show. And I, I find, I don't know if you, have you guys talked about all the, the political controversy surrounding it and everything? No, not yet. We haven't. Dare we get into it? I, I don't want to get into it. I really think that there's in this day and age, that we really need to hear what four white oh, men have to say <laughs> about whatever it is we're about to talk about, because I actually don't even know. But I just no. know that it's necessary. It's important. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to, like, I, I, I'm not trying to, like, get into the details of it. I just, I find the fact that people are shocked about the, the Watchmen having, you know, societal and political commentary embedded in it when that's basically all the original source material was. Um, and so it's just kind of funny to me that people are getting angry about it because it's like, that's what made Watchmen what it was, is that it was different from the rest of, you know, superhero fandom at the time. And it deconstructed the the heroes and it showed that they were a product of, you know, kind of the political and societal things that were going on and now people are upset about it. It's like, well, that's what this is. You know what I mean? So yeah, man. I, I don't know. I just find it. It's interesting. It's like, did you even, it's like, you're getting mad about it, but do you, it, like, I almost feel like the people that are getting mad about it maybe didn't even read the original. You know what I mean? Like they don't know kind of where this whole thing started. And so it's just kind of, I don't know, funny to me. I guess. That's my, that's my thing is you, you see that online. A lot of people in Twitter, I don't want political garbage in the show I'm watching, but that's all the Watchmen really is, is politics. And then the people that complain about Watchmen being too political are the same people who say, I don't want politics in my Star Wars, when Star Wars is nothing no. but political. So, Right, and that's, yeah, that, that's what I'm saying. Like, it, I don't know, and, and I personally, I find it interesting some of the topics they're bringing up about police wearing masks and how they, they were doing it to protect them and... And but then the flip side is their their weapons are are very strictly regulated and they don't just walk Cocaine. around with them. right. So I, <laughs> I don't know. I I find it interesting. I I think it's fun to explore that stuff without. And I don't think the show is leaning particularly one way or another. Um, you know, because like I said, they got the masks to protect themselves, but then they can't just. They literally have to call and get permission to get their guns unlocked as opposed to now where they can walk around and do almost whatever they want with them. You know what I mean? So you know it's... Smith, Smith brings up a question. I, I'm sorry, Smith. I got to cut you in, cut in here. You know, when they went, when they went to the funeral, P, uh, Petey and agent Blake were, were, had to put their guns in that little thing. Right. Like they gave him a little holster that locked the guns in and said, 
you know, no guns allowed at the funeral. But what, right. where, where did Agent Blake, uh, where did she pull her fucking gun from? Her leg. <laughs> yeah, uh, they put, yeah. They showed her putting put her a, a gun on her leg. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I recognize that part. But, um, I don't know, man. I, I think you're absolutely right on, like, this makes me want to explore so many different things that I haven't with other shows. Um, so, but phone night, you've got three people here going, yeah, episode three was really good. <laughs> I just, I just don't understand what, I mean, like you, you, okay. So you enjoyed episode two and we didn't talk about it. What, is there something particularly that stands out to you in episode two that didn't make you really like episode one or three? It's not that I didn't like episode three. I just thought it was the worst of the three episodes so far. I mean, that means it's a bad thing. I not every episode, not every episode can be, you know, hard home or whatever. Right. So <laughs> this, this was like episodes one and two. I I felt did a lot of world building and episode three, okay. which I, I'm a huge fan. Like that is that honestly, that's my shit. That's why I got into Game of Thrones in the first place was because of the world building that happened in that show. And that's why I love like like when I look at the shows that I truly love, it shows that build an environment for their characters to operate in. When I'm talking about the wire or boardwalk or justified or whatever, like, like the, their characters extend beyond the people. You have Baltimore, you have rural uh-huh. Kentucky, you have, you know, uh, Atlantic city. And now with game of Thrones, you had, you know, Westeros and, and then with Watchmen, you've got this alternate reality U S that has real events that then build it to a split in a timeline to create this universe. So that's why, I think I was so into it. And then episode three wasn't as much about that as much as it was introducing some more characters. And uh, yeah, I just, which is fine. Again, Agent Blake is Agent Smith, if you will, uh, was <laughs> a, she's going to be a great character because Gene Smart's playing her. So I don't have any, I don't have to worry about that shit. Like I, it could be the worst thing in the world and Gene Smart's going to crush it. So Absolutely. Uh, I, I just, I don't know. It just it, the episode to me, it it was strictly character like introducing more layers to his character, which is fine. It's going to be an I think in that regard, it's going to be an important episode when the season's over. But it's not going to be the one that I look back at and go like Dan said. Like Dan said, I was hooked in episode three. I was hooked in the first ten minutes of the first episode. Same, when they same. when they used the Tulsa riots as a jump off point for that was the, the next world. Season, yeah. And and maybe it's because I'm such a history nerd and I knew about it. Like they even showed like the National Guard like doing shit. And I'm like, wow, this this show's really just it, this show might not be good, but I'm gonna ride the wave because this is <laughs> a really ballsy jump off point. And and it's a lot of the little things I think in episode two as well that really stood out to me was the way that the show. This is what I think HBO does better than maybe any network when they let showrunners create is they, the, how do you say this guy's Damon, whatever, Lindelof, Lindelof. Lindelof. Uh, he is, he's writing this show on the assumption that we're smart enough to figure some shit out on our own. Yes. And when they started talking about red for rations, red for race, red for raping, however they say it, (laughs) red for dations, red for dations. It's reparations that president Redford gave out. (laughs) Like that's whatever the, whatever the slang word those yokels use is, for example, like at first I just thought that that was a 
dumbass racist kid from a dumbass family that was saying something wrong. But then, like later on, other people refer. And it took some time to for that to click and what it was. And then in episode two, we get to see what they were talking about with like if your ancestors were part of the race riots and like lost their property, you're gonna you're entitled to uh you know compensation for that uh or if you have mesothelioma so there's a (laughs) like i just that is such a real world thing like such a real world that's a conversation right now that reparations is a real conversation that has been really in the forefront this year and it's just like that world they're building is so fascinating to me the least fascinating part of it right now at least as it is is the stuff that happened in the book which is what episode three kind of leaned on was a lot of stuff about the, the, the watchmen originally you're talking, you know, uh, silk specter and night owl and all that. Like it's just, it's built upon a lot of that stuff in the past, which I know is going to be important, but I was just so into those first two episodes and the world they're building, I guess. It has been very well conceived. And I completely agree with you that it's an example of HBO trusting the audience which I, I, I think it's a good contrast with. I watched this week in uh, His Dark Materials, the show they're doing on HBO, which I'm a big fan of that book series. And I was so disappointed that like they, they there's like a big text crawl at the start of the of the episode, and and, and that world is you know yeah. as complicated as as any other big sprawling fantasy world, whether it's Game of Thrones or Watchmen. And I thought, how much cooler would this have been if they just like let us find this world as it went on as Watchmen has the confidence to do. And uh, yeah, I've definitely been impressed with how well-conceived it's been so far. I have a plot well, question. Oh, yeah? I can well, ask you guys. Yeah, what is um, it? Keen, Senator Keen. So do we think that was a false flag operation, him getting attacked, just so we can be a martyr and give a speech or I, what? I do not trust him at all. I, I 100% think that he's connected to the 7th Cavalry. Do you think they meant to make him look like Beto O'Rourke, or was that just a coincidence? <laughs> I think he just looks like General uh, John F. Kennedy-looking, forty-something kind of thing, which Beto also, also happens to look like. What's up with his limp? Have, has any anybody else noticed his limp? I have not like, noticed his limp. I didn't know. Uh, unless I'm crazy, he walks with a bit of a—he's got a bit of a hitch in his giddy-up, and I'm huh. I'm wondering where that came from too. Uh, they might uh, maybe yeah. I just didn't look maybe i'm dumb but uh yeah i i hadn't thought at all about that being a false flag but that's very watchman-esque so the only thing i'd say about that though is he did have the suicide switch on and it was connected to his heart right so i think at the very least he's taking advantage of the situation you know uh to kind of further his agenda um, and they kind of hint at him having an eye for the for the White House down the road. Um, so, I mean, it could be that. I, I just, again, the suicide switch kind of throws me, once me, makes me say no. But at the very least, yeah, he's opportunistic and he's not going to waste uh, well, an attempted murder, you know, Yeah. if it would get I mean, him like, headlines. And the his best father, uh, his, false flag his... operations involve some element of danger. Like, Corey Thone, I know you're a fan of uh, Rick and Morty. Mm-hmm. Remember when uh, evil Morty actually got shot to become the president? That's a cartoon. That's a comedy show comparing to a serious drama. But I'm just saying that if you want to have a good false flag operation, make it look real. Yeah. And the, and the thing is, you know, what made the fault, like, 
I, I don't know if I false flags are incredibly hard to pull off. The more the it's probably what Smith is saying, just because just like in Rick and Morty, uh-huh. where, you know, evil Morty didn't know that his campaign manager was going to shoot him. Right. Uh, but uh-huh. unless unless they use because the Rick that did come and tell, you know, campaign manager Morty about it was also outside in space dead, too. So they could have set that up, I guess. But uh-huh. the the more likely thing is they had that happen and then used it just like i mean that's a very natural political thing is let's use this some way and you know the the tulsa senator whose name i can't remember is going to keen yeah he's he's going to definitely use this uh for his advantage because we've already they've already talked about him having aspirations for the white house so i should i i I regret trying to match rick and morty minutiae with you that was stupid (laughs) on my part no, no uh, it was good. a great was comparison good. because yeah. I, it's, I can't think of another show with such a direct correlation like of a false flag against a political candidate. So, Well, I, I was Ooh. bringing more into Gene's character. And, you know, if you look – and this, again, guys, and people listening to this, you have to check in every Sunday or Monday. I think, it's, I think they update it on Sunday night after the episode. Pedipedia. Um, that's P-E-T-E-Y. Wikipedia, like Wikipedia, and it shows you things that connect to the episode. So, like, Senator King's father is responsible for the law that banned vigilantes in 1977. (laughs) So you've got you got so he's responsible for banning the superheroes, right? And then his father is, and then there's a letter on Wikipedia from his father to. The police chief, Judd Crawford, who got hanged. He mm-hmm. was um, – the letter talks about – you know that, that, that picture from the second episode? Um, the, it, the, the episode's name is actually the, epi- the picture of the painting. So um, let me see if I, I was can... wondering that. What was yeah. this episode's name about? Because the last two were both pretty clear. Oh, that uh, – well, so two was like Marshall Feats by – Comanche right. warriors or something like that. Horsemanship, and... martial feats of Comanche horsemanship. That's the yes. name of the painting that was then, that was hanging in Crawford's house. The first one was Oklahoma, right? And then this one was she got killed by space junk or something like that. What does it mean? Well, I mean, because she almost got killed by the the dropping car. Oh, is that it? There's no like deeper pun or something. I, I, I don't I think, think so. I, I was I was going for a you know. She got killed by space junk because she was he had that big blue dildo and we all know that um Dr. Manhattan's in space, so there you go. <laughs> but we don't know who's Bam. picking up cars with magnets and dropping them. So we don't know what's going on there. So yeah. uh, but there is a theory. There is a theory on Reddit that I really Dan, you you and I've talked about this today. There's a theory on Reddit that says um Dr. Manhattan is keeping Ozymandias or Adrian Veidt on Mars. And if you look at that at the first episode, I think they showed the TV screen. It's on. It's in the trailer for this for the series. Um, Dr. Manhattan has a castle that looks exactly like um, Ozymandias's castle in the show. So what the the theory is is that Dr. Manhattan is using an alternate reality on Mars. And keeping Adrian Veidt there, and that's why he's sending up his clone to to try to break through 
I think she's trying to get back to Earth. That's what the that's what the theory is. Uh, Bone, you're big. You're big into theories. What do you think about that? So, not gonna lie, I uh, got a text message that I was reading when you were talking because I assumed you're gonna throw it to Dan because <laughs> I just got done talking a lot. So, <laughs> well, Dan, you you and I talked about it. So, you think the theory hey, holds I, up? I think it's a good theory too. But go ahead, Dan. Oh no, I mean, yeah. Uh... <laughs> Sorry, Smith. I'm not used to you being on the podcast. I apologize. Ooh, no, no, it's okay. Ooh, ooh, ooh. No need for that. Uh, yeah, I think it's probably true. After that little comparison picture by picture you showed me, um, it looks like that's where they're yeah. going. Um, now the answer to the question is, why is he out there in the first place? I, you know what? I, I wasn't sure that I would like the Jeremy Irons sections because it's so divorced from it. But um, I am getting into him, and he's just terrific, right? Like when he was getting frustrated and stamping the uh, frozen body into the ground. <laughs> like he, he, he's showing a real flair for comic stuff. Like he, he's carrying those sections perfectly well. Um, yeah, I am into those bits as their own little kind of comic vignettes at this point. And like, nice I little contrast to the rest of the stuff that's going on. Smith, are you into that? Because I'm. I was really. I'm into the whole like wondering why. There's an anniversary. Why? Why do they have to celebrate an anniversary every time he comes in? Um, I mean, overall, I don't know how much I'm into it because um, I think it's going to be a like something we check in every single episode. Just to, and then at the end of the season, we're going to learn one thing, and so it's kind of a little bit like we're. It's a lot of time to put into that. But as far as the cake thing, to me, seems to me that's it's not. It's more of like. I think that's a signal to us that these scenes are taking place a year apart um, and that we're checking yeah. in with him once a year. I don't think that it's necessarily like he's getting the cake yeah. every single day. You know what I mean? Like he comes in for breakfast and then there's right. a cake. I think it's that's something where they're trying to show us this is we're just checking in with him because really he's not doing anything. And that makes sense if he's if he's in prison by Dr. Manhattan, his day to day, you know what I mean? Like it's going to look the same. We're, we don't need to and check in with him every single day. Getting from Mars to Earth using, like, a Victorian-era technology wouldn't be something you do in a matter of days, I guess. I guess it would be right. a year-long exactly. project. Right, right, right. Exactly. Right. So he's, I think that the cake is showing us every time we check in, that's a year apart, and he's still in prison there, and he's still trying to get out. Um, and I think that's kind of the, the point of that. I, I mean, again, I, I don't necessarily dig that whole little little section because it is so divorced from everything that's going on you know i feel like sometimes we get in the first three episodes we've kind of gotten really into you know like the the plot that's going on and then we jump over to to ozymandias and it's kind of a little jarring to kind of pull us out of what was going on back in oklahoma yeah but dan Um, i dan i agree with you on irons pulls everything every scene off like Obviously, he, he's, he was going to. When we, when we found out he was cast, we all, you know, I, I, I think I, I assumed the day he was cast that he'd be playing Adrian Veidt. I think we talked about that. And, and he pulls those scenes off so well. And, like, um, the typewriter scene where he's responding to the game warden who tells, <laughs> him at the, who tells him at the end of the letter, thank you for the tomatoes. And they were lovely. And at the end of Adrian Veidt's letter, it was like, Oh yeah, and I'm glad you enjoyed the tomatoes. Like, I want to know who the game warden is. Is it an, a clone of of his butler? 
or is it an an alternate reality version of Doctor Manhattan? Because you know Manhattan can split himself into different 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 like he can make different versions of himself and split them all apart. He didn't we didn't we learn that in um in the graphic oh, yeah. novel? He, he so we know that whatever. he can do that. Yeah, I don't know. I enjoy. I know. I I get. I understand Smith. What you're saying it is jarring. It is very jarring to go from like the like Angela Avar, like when she's Sister Knight, like Regina King's character. Like I'm so into her, and I'm and I love watching everything she's in. And then all of a sudden, boom, we jump into um, Adrian Veidt, and it's completely different. So I get what you're saying. I understand that. I kind of just enjoy. Like it's kind of like almost like a commercial break. I kind of enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, it, and again, it's that. not to say that Jeremy Irons isn't acting the hell out of that. I mean, it's just it's just a little, the, the pacing is a little jarring. But he's definitely in space. And, yeah, probably up on Mars, you know, just kind of like a side project for Dr. Manhattan while he's doing this is, whatever he's doing. It's officially the R plus L equals J of Watchmen. We all know it. <laughs> just waiting for it to be revealed. Yeah, because, I mean, the guy was frozen, right? So clearly he stepped out of whatever little prison into the, you know, Mars, yeah. into Mars where sure. there's no atmosphere and immediately froze to death. So, I mean, yeah, he's clearly up in space. I just, I wonder where we're going with it, like, what what the point of it all is. You he's know, going be- to build a Leonardo da Vinci-esque bicycle-controlled airplane and fly back to Mars somehow, to Earth somehow with it. <laughs> Be really, I'd really be more. <laughs> I'd be more interested if we if we saw um, Vite and Doctor Manhattan kind of conversing. Um, I'm sure we will eventually. Oh, I know, man. but I, like I'd love to see them kind of going back and forth still, like up there on Mars, and they're still debating what what Vite did back on Earth and the results and all that stuff. I'd love to see that kind of conversation, but this one, I mean, I'm sure it'll go somewhere, but we'll see. You know, um, the next episode is, if you don't like my story, write your own. Uh, <laughs> so I'm kind of wondering if it's going to be a, a Adrian Veidt heavy story, because heavy episode, because think about he's writing stories, right? He's he, like he's he's using he's using his butler, and I, I haven't seen his maid except for when they're doing the double Crookshanks, Crookshanks, yeah, Crookshanks and and Phillips, I think is who they are. But um, there. I would just like to see. You're right. Like we don't even know who's playing Doctor Manhattan, but we know that at, at some point on Earth, a blue hand bends down and picks up a blue mask. So we that was from the trailer, and that could be a big, huge MacGuffin. I don't know, but I'm just wondering, Corey Thone, just how far. Damon Lindelof is willing to take this Dr. Manhattan thing. Are we going to see him soon enough? Because we don't, like I said, we don't, this this will probably be the biggest reveal of the show is when Dr. Manhattan shows up. Uh, yeah, I think we see him and I, I think it's in that final episode. I think it'll be, it'll be like everything's, you know, I don't know where they're going to go with this story. Uh, so let's say that the theory that Adrian Veidt's in like, Manhattan prison or whatever is mm-hmm. is the case. Why? That's the yeah. big take. That's the big takeaway for me from that theory is absolutely in in the book. Uh, 
if I remember correctly, the quote was basically, I don't condone what you did, but I understand it. And yeah, we're not gonna, yeah, we're not going to undo it. You know, it, and, and he goes to Mars. Yeah, but they undid it. They talked about that this episode. Huh? What? They talked hmm? about how they had the conversation about how he, Adrian Vite dropped the squid on the on New York City to prevent a war. Who I said mean, that? Lori Blake told that to God on oh, Mark's telephone. Yeah. Okay. 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 Yeah, she yeah, yeah, yeah. She knows yeah. it. All right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. My bad. Okay. So oh, Smith, am I right, everybody? So <laughs> anyway, I, I just I that's that's my question. And so if if Doctor Manhattan is still thinking, well, Vite should be punished for this, so I'm going to strand him on, you know, this livable portion of Mars I've created or something, uh, then that would imply that Dr. Manhattan still had some idea of humanity left. So maybe this show is going to build up to Dr. Manhattan coming back because he's like, wow, you guys really have gone to shit since I went to Mars. (laughs) And I guess I need to come back here and fix it or something. I don't know. I don't know why they bring him back. Um, but I, I'm interested in. I do think that we see him this season, and I think that if we're gonna talk dream casting here, uh, Jack Black, <laughs> yeah. Jonah Hill. Yeah. Um, oh my God, I, guys, I, the fuck are you doing? <laughs> I have a uh, two quick points. I'll see if they're quick. Um, I think that they went out of their way to point out that Adrian Veidt was around after the squid drop. That he made public appearances, then he then he disappeared eventually. So I think something happened between those two times to get him sent to Manhattan Jail on Mars. I think like and and that's what I want to know as to what was it. I think that'll be the uh, mystery that they build up to. The other thing I want to mention is that Lindelof has said that he and his team built this thing to be self-contained. That this isn't really designed to be a what's going to happen in season two situation. I'm not sure there there will be a season two. So if we're going to see yeah. Dr. Manhattan, I, I think we'll see him, like, I, like not at the last episode, it's like a cliffhanger. I think he'll be around sooner, because I think this thing has to work as a, an eight, nine, however many long episodes it is, complete story. Now, whether they make six season two anyway, we'll see. But as well, far as okay. I know, this is a, a self-contained thing, which I think you, is great. You know who's great at making self-contained stories <laughs> that don't sprawl at all? Damon Lindelof, the leftovers <laughs> creator. Damon Lindelof, uh, the leftovers, the book of Nora that everybody talks about. Yeah, so it's... no, I, I, I didn't know that Dan that they had said that this. Are they not? Were they not planning on having a season two at all, or is it more that they thought this is too fucking weird? This Lind- isn't going to get renewed. Lindelof, <laughs> Lindelof has said in the interviews that he that they built this to stand on its own. Now, I don't know. Maybe he, like, knows that, like, I shouldn't do a sprawling thing. It's my worst instinct. I will fuck it up. So we'll just make this one season. Or whether there's, like, an option or whether he's leaving an escape valve or what. All I know is that he's talked about we built this to to be a self-contained story. Like, a sequel to the Watchmen graphic novel. This is Watchmen, the eight-episode show. And again, and, you know, a lot of, like, know, uh... blank space there. But uh, that's 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 what he had said. Well, you know what the what their HB. This was like the highest rated uh, series premiere. Yeah, that, that's what I was gonna bring up. So like HBO is gonna throw all the money at him. I yeah, mean, I gotta we'll I gotta think we're gonna see a season two. Um, 
and if he did make it self-contained in a way that almost lends itself to a season two, because then you're not constrained by having to continue the story. I mean, you could kind of, we could go somewhere else, you know, move to somewhere other than Tulsa next have season a or something like that. different alternate universe where Barbara Streisand has been president for the past 40 years. <laughs> well, actually, I've, I've, I've been hearing some, from some, uh, some people, people that got advanced episodes to review Episode six is going to be like transformative. Like it's going to be amazing. Like people, like when they when they watched episode six, they were like they were telling me, "Oh my god, I want to tell you about it. It's so amazing." But I can't. Like I don't mind spoilers. People, I I tell them all the time, just tell me spoilers. It helps me write articles anyway. Tell me spoilers. And I was told that they did not want to tell me about episode six that I needed to see it for myself. Before the I know what happens. So you know what happens in oh, the yeah. episodes. So so you that that person. My like, source our, talked. Our common friend told you, didn't she? Anyway, um, yeah. So like the title of episode six is the extraordinary bean, B I N G. So that could be Doctor Manhattan's uh, entrance into the episode. So, I don't know. There's a lot of... Like, episode 8 is a god walks into a bar. And we all know... So, so you know, there are a lot of... And what what did... um What did Agent Blake t- say in the joke? That she... she rec- like, she said Dr. Manhattan was a god. So, Dr. Manhattan being a god, talking to God. That was part of the joke. So, you know, a god walks into a bar in episode 8. I think he comes in halfway through the season... I don't think you introduce Doctor Manhattan in the in the finale. I don't think you do that. I think he's too much of there's too much fanfare and there's too much um, excitement being built up to see who plays him and what he's going to do in, in the season. Am I wrong? Anybody jump in? Well, now that I know it's only eight episodes, I think you're and that it's no, there's to be more than self- eight. Oh, there's I thought Dan said it was just eight. I thought there was ten. I eight or nine or ten. I'm not really sure. All I know is okay. that it's supposed to self-contained. But it okay, if it's, ten, if, yeah, it's ten th- episodes, it's ten. if it's ten episodes and it's supposed to be a stand-on-its-own season with a complete arc that maybe leaves something for a season two possible but is its own arc, then I'm going to say episode eight. End of episode eight, we'll see Dr. Manhattan on Earth, and then you'll have yeah. nine and ten to deal with that. What if Adrian Vite is working on a a way to make himself Dr. Manhattan. <laughs> what if he's trying to do that? I mean, he already found a way in the novel to disguise his actions from Dr. Manhattan and to replicate his like aura or whatever you want to call his energy field. So I, I that would make sense. He, he fancies himself Dr. Manhattan's equal, even though he's not. So, right. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. FYI, it is nine episodes. Nine. I see. I, yeah. Well, Wiki's got nine episodes, but but just is, are you going off of what Wiki has, Dan? Yeah. Well, maybe they don't because for a while there, there was only eight episodes that were on here, oh. and they just added nine. So maybe we have no idea. We have no idea. There are, there are probably just, eighteen. We're just hanging it all out here, talking about. Big blue dongs, but uh, Doctor Manhattan. So, um, 
And that's a magnificent being. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's it for this week's episode. <laughs> well, listen, um, I don't know, unless unless you guys have any really just, like, hot takes about episode three that you want to talk about, before we wrap this episode up, um, jump in at any time you can. Um, so I think that is pretty exciting. Smith, you missed our talk about House of the Dragon, so I'm going to give you a little bit of time to tell us what your opinion is, um, what what are you excited for House of the Dragon? Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of take myself out of it. I, I would have been excited for kind of any era of the show, just because I love the mythology. Um, but I think uh, I, I'm sure y'all talked about this, but I, you know, my testimony from the beginning. Uh, was I always thought it, the the Long Night was a really odd choice uh, for the prequel um, series, just because I think it was going to look so incredibly different um, from what fans liked about Game of Thrones. So I think House of the Dragon is going to look a lot more similar, uh, while being different. You know, different characters and you know different things going on. Obviously, a lot more dragons. Um, but still similar enough that people will enjoy it. So I'm excited about it. I mean, the, the fire and blood, I mean, there's a lot of crazy stuff that goes on in there. Um, the Targaryens are, you know, even the, the good ones are just wild and crazy and have all kinds of things going on. So, um, and then if they build up to dance of the dragons, obviously, you know, that's kind of a, a nerd's wet dream. Um, all the dragons fighting. So, I'm excited. I think it'll be a little easier for them. I don't know how they're going to get the the budget. I mean, you know, all that all the dragons. I mean, we, all we ever heard about during Game of Thrones was how much Drogon was eating up the budget for basically everything else, right? We One we talked season we, every 4 years. We, we talked about that about how yeah, that if 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 dragons are that expensive, we're about to have like shitloads of dragons. Like the CGI was never, was never like the highlight of Game of Thrones. <laughs> so no, I, and that's I, fine. I know, man. <laughs> and that's fine. I mean, yeah, I don't. I mean, the CGI. Yeah, the CGI was never what I turned in for, and I don't think a lot of people. I think it was they made it good, and it was it was very well done. But it wasn't like this is what you're looking for as a visual spectacle, but. Yeah, so I, I, I'm excited. Um, I think it'll be good. I mean, it's going to be obviously a few years before we get anything. Um, I like the fact that uh, Sapo Chink is, is the one who's the co-showrunner. Um, because Sapochnik. He was uh, always one of the more solid Game of Thrones directors. Um, and so I'm excited that he's going to, you know, that they brought somebody that was experienced in that world and shooting that kind of stuff um, along. And he was one of the better directors. I, I kind of would have liked Cogman to be involved, um, but he went off to Amazon, right? Yeah. David yeah. has a, uh, a wild theory that he'll make a surprise appearance and be back on the creative team. We'll see. I, th- I think you'll hear some news. I mean, yeah, he's got a deal. He's got a, um, his deal with Amazon is so he can create his own shows over there, like if he wants to. Yeah. But they put him on Lord of the Rings, which is a pretty big deal. I just don't know. Like, okay, so like you, Smith, you mentioned we won't we won't see anything for years to come. I I think that HBO is there's nobody who markets anything better than HBO. Like you like 
they build up to shows that we will not see, and they start doing the marketing, and it's like anything. That's nothing that anybody could talk about except for what they're building up to. So like, you know, season eight, the the, the build up to season eight was amazing, and so what I'm thinking for Game of Thrones is what I'm saying. I apologize, I didn't make that clear. But um, so what I'm thinking is we're gonna start hearing in 2020, probably halfway through, we'll start hearing people people who's being cast. Maybe in early 2020, we'll see people who are being cast because. And then we're going to start seeing news about filming news and blah, blah, blah. I think you're going to see House of the Dragon as an early 2022 uh, series. 2020? See, I I kind of think 2021. um, Because this isn't, you know, they've they've been working on it for a while. Um, I mean, you know, they were developing kind of all of them simultaneously and... um, George R. R. Martin kept saying that they weren't dead. They weren't dead. They were still working on the other ones. So I kind of feel like we're going to start getting casting news early next year. And then that they're going to film over the fall and, you know, kind of follow that typical Game of Thrones filming schedule. I think waiting to 2022 would be a big mistake. Yeah. I I just don't see them waiting. Yeah, they're they're on a deadline here. I mean, I don't want to make this podcast run three hours long. I, I keep it short, but, um, I mean, from what I understand, the way they're going to do the Dance of the Dragons is, just just to be clear, like, there is more to this than just dragons fighting. Like, there are a lot of right. Oh, yeah. Have, no. with people yeah. talking at parties, at weddings, at gatherings. Like, I can see, like, the scene where Rhaenyra and Alicent Hightower come out wearing the red and the green dresses being, like, a giant climactic moment. And all that is is just two women in a dress. Like, if, if, like that's not going to take giant special effects stuff. I mean, if so, I'd say 2021, even with dragon effects, which don't have to like be super duper crazy in the first well, season. The, yeah, I was going to say in the it's, first it's, season, there won't be. For. Yeah, the first season, there won't be that much. You know, it'll be more of like first season of Game of Thrones, where a lot of it's just building towards thing and not it'll a whole lot be, actually happens. Yeah. There still will be tons of dragons because in, in, in Fire and Blood, to the buildup to the Dance of Dragons, they're like every kid who's born into the Targaryen line, they get an egg, and the egg they put the egg in the in the basket with which each with each one, and so they're they're raised with their dragons basically. Rhaenyra, her dragon. I mean, and I I forget all the names, and you're right, Dan. This this podcast shouldn't go three hours long, but you know there is a lot to talk about in the Dance of Dragons. Um, you're gonna see two main. Like, you know, on Game of Thrones, there was King's Landing, and then everybody else had their own castles, right? So, like, it was basically Winterfell and King's Landing in the in the very la- in the last couple of seasons. We're going to see a lot of action take place at Dragonstone, in and around Dragonstone. And you're going to see that, like, the different political drama between the Blacks and the Greens... And um, how each kid is born, and how each one, uh, how their succession to the line in the line of the Iron Throne, because the Iron Throne is there, and it's very much the drama is very much wrapped around the Iron Throne. Who's going to wear the crown? So I'm very excited to see this show, how it comes together, um, and the dragons are exciting because they're you know even in the first 
beginning of the Dance of Dragons, there are dragon battles. Like, large, the larger dragons, like, even, like, um, Aegon's sister wives, they're, they have a dragon, uh, who is it? I believe it's, um, Visenya's dragon lives to the Dance of Dragons. It's, like, the largest v- dragon no. I've ever seen. Vagar. her? I think it's Vagar. Vagar. Vagar is the name of the dragon. Because Meraxes so. gets killed down in Dorne. Yeah, and and Dro- and what's his name? Uh, Balerion doesn't live to the Dance of Dragons. He gets sick because he takes one of the Targaryens over to Valyria, and when he comes back, he's got like all this 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 damage to him. Like he's he dies. We know that Drogon. I know you're not Drogon. You don't even call him Drogon. Valerian flies away and dies. We know that. So anyway, um, I'm I'm rambling. Smith, thanks for joining us. Uh, you and I could talk about this different aspects of the Dance of Dragons all day. So maybe in one podcast, we'll just do that. We'll just ramble about Dance of Dragons. Um, so is any like let's wrap this up so so we can call it good. Uh, Corey Smith, thanks for joining. Bone and Selkie, thanks for being part of this podcast and my as my guest. Um, well, actually, Bone, Bone, you're not a guest. Uh, you're always here. So. Um, let's wrap this podcast up. So thanks for joining us. We'll talk about, um, I, I don't think we're going to do a podcast next week. We're going to do it every other week unless the episode of Watchmen just kind of, you know, oh my God, we got to talk about it immediately. So, um, we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Let us know in the comments, uh, what you think about Dance Dragons. And if you were watching Watchmen and you have some comments you want to, you want us to talk about, We'll give you a shout-out in the next podcast. So for myself, for Dan Selkie, for Corey Dunn, and Corey Smith, this has been Take the Vibe of a lot of Magoos. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.